This is the uh, the end, the wrap up on the fasting event. Um, <clears throat> I see we have uh, several people who are uh, waiting and uh, ready. Thank you for uh, joining us. So I wanted to cover a couple of items before we got started. Um, First of all, I've gotten a lot of interest in these activities, a lot of positive uh, feedback. Um, I did go ahead and set a time slot for a weekly review, um, a weekly YouTube live event. I, I'm enjoying them too because it's great. It's like being able to talk with a patient or a group of uh, attendees at a seminar about this specific stuff. So, you know, when you're just talking and no responding, you get you, you head out down your own bunny trails, and I am certainly the world's worst. Maybe not the world's worst, but I'm pretty bad at heading down a bunny trail. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to be doing this uh, every week. For the first month or so, it's going to be Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Now, I know you guys in Alaska said uh, 9 p.m. was perfect for you, and I understand that. I may be able to switch to 9 p.m. a little in a month or two. Uh, but here's the reason. It's a family thing. And um, the family thing is this. My daughter's coming home from Peru. She's been there doing some public health work, um, pediatric anemia, and now access to food in, um, in urban uh, food desert kind of areas. Um, she's coming home for a few weeks, and I want to be available to see her. I just noticed from looking at the um, uh, the screen there that uh, I'm getting what I often get. My uh, the color is not so good. As I've said before many times, the video, the graphics are my downfall, my Achilles, one of my Achilles heels. Um, it's because I use a, a, a webcam, and I, again, I got some comments about that and. Just like everything else in the uh, the video area, I'm working on it, but that's not my background. My background is prevention, uh, preventive medicine, and that just gives me another uh, segue into why am I doing this event? It's because uh, I've I do a, a I I spent most of my career being a career medical director. I've um, uh, been the chief medical officer for groups with. Um, 500 docs uh, uh, with a place called Premise, which has, well, it had about 500 clinics um, for the Fortune 500 and some other um, large employers across the country. When I left, it's um, about 1,000 now. So, you know, maybe I was holding back their growth. Uh, I, I used to work for Toyota, uh, uh, the uh, U.S. Or I was uh, medical director for uh, the U.S. Uh, section of Toyota. Um, uh, med Chief medical officer for MD Live. There's about 800 docs doing um, um, online uh, telemedicine, mostly urgent care, though. Uh, and most recently, the chief science officer for Physician Partners. It's a group that's uh, doing great work in Medicare Advantage. Speaking of Medicare Advantage, um, a lot of my folks are either at Medicare uh, age or getting there. And many people think that Medicare Advantage is uh, maybe not the highest quality, uh, not what you want to get if you can afford it. 
that's changing rapidly. The processes set up within Medicare Advantage are actually working. So I can't help but make a plug for that. Uh, I'm still consulting with uh, physician partners, although I left full time to concentrate on providing this uh, information uh, for free at the YouTube uh, channel. Um, I'm also consulting with a, another uh, Medicare Advantage group and a third group called uh, K Health. K Health is a, it's sort of, I've done a couple of videos on it. It's like bringing a, um, IBM Deep Blue into um, doctor telemedicine diagnostic processes. And again, that's a fascinating area. It's something that's always been uh, near and dear to my heart, but I'm not going to focus on that. I just want to uh, give you a little bit of background. Why am I doing, again, why am I doing this event? Because uh, people tend to uh, do very well uh, with weight loss. Uh, are, are more and more people are beginning to learn how to lose 30 pounds and more. I've had dozens of patients do it. The same pattern uh, is very popular and I see it over and over again. First, they decrease their car, their glucose swings. That's a, a blood glucose, by the way. Again, my visuals are not that great. Uh, they decrease their uh, blood glucose swings going low carb. And then after that, they tend to close their uh, time window. It's called time-restricted re eating or a TRD, time-restricted diet. Now, most people call this um, a, an intermittent fasting. Um, technically, it's not really intermittent fasting because intermittent fasting is more like the 5-2 diet where you diet two days and then eat what you normally do five days per week. Um, so that's, oh, but here, here's the thing, despite losing all that weight, I get very few people take me up on my suggestion for long-term uh, fasting. They say, you know, I've lost the weight. What, why do I need to do long-term fasting? And that's really not so much the question. The real question is, that's not fine. I don't want to not eat for day after day after day. Um, I understand that. Um, I come from a family where my dad was my height and north of 350 pounds. Uh, my mom was over, uh, significantly overweight for a while. Most of the members of my family have been significantly overweight. I was, I'm, a, I'm 150 now. Uh, I was 155, by the way, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I expect to gain some of that back from the, um, from the past uh, seven days. Um, <clears throat> the um, uh, people don't understand that you can, there are easy transitions. The fasting mimicking diet, and there's a, there's a, there's a lot of versions, there's a lot of do-it-yourself versions out there. Uh, there's even low-carb versions, which I think I'm gonna try next time because as you saw, if you've seen any of these videos or saw during the week, I had some significant spikes, even with just the, quote, low glycemic uh, complex carbs in the soups that are in the uh, Prolon material. Prolon is the, um, is the manufactured um, uh, for sale version, uh, des again, designed by Walter Longo, great researcher in this area. So... 
the the original reason for designing the fasting mimicking diet is in the words fasting mimicking it's not really fasting but it is mimicking it at least biochemically and it has a lot of the very same positive effects but it's easy it decreases in, uh, decreases mTOR and um, supposedly decreases well it actually does decrease insulin uh, resistance I, I don't know uh, if it's a permanent thing uh, it doesn't make you grow your pancreas back or your uh, beta cells, or I don't think it permanently changes uh, your insulin receptors in your muscle cells and liver cells, but that still remains to be seen. There's actually great evidence that it uh, has a very positive impact there. And doing all those things does decrease um, plaque deposition. So just a couple of other things, and then we'll get to um, we'll, we'll get to some of the questions. We I ended the fast today. Um, everything. So what happened was on the FMD on Friday uh, and Saturday days four and five. I usually feel bad. Last FMD uh, proline I did was a couple of years ago, and I've done what three or four, maybe half a dozen. And I always felt really bad at days four and five. And I figured I'd want to eat uh, on Sunday uh, when it was over. I really didn't. It was really easy this time. And I was really not hungry and did have plenty of energy. So here's what I did. I, and I'm not recommending that anybody do this. I did see a couple of comments that folks are considering that. I said, you know what? I've always wanted to do a full seven-day fast. I go through the two days that are really rough and then don't go any further. And then I thought, well, you know what? Fasting mimicking diet is, a, is an easy button for fasting. And why don't I just go ahead? I, had, I usually do my weekly fast at uh, Water Fast on Monday and Tuesday. Um, I finished my FMD on Saturday. Saturday and if I, I had not planned to do that following week, you know, this today and tomorrow as a, a water fast. But I said, hmm, why don't I just skip eating on Sunday, uh, continue a, more of a water fast on Sunday and Monday, and then that'll be a full seven days. It will not be anything near a full seven-day water fast, but it's a full seven days of significant fasting with the last two days being water fast. I did. I felt great. The key to feeling great when you're fasting is sleep. And for most people don't sleep well when they're fasting. I am included. I usually don't sleep well at all when I'm fasting. Here's what happened, though. At day three and a half, I was feeling kind of not so good the first two, uh, two and a half days. Not three and a half, but two and a half days. I took a, about a 10-minute nap uh, on noon of, what was that, Tuesday, Wednesday? Uh, Thursday. The rest of Thursday, I felt great. I slept well Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. I, and I felt great through the whole time. The one glitch that I had was, and I shared that this morning in a live uh, discussion, I woke up with a blood sugar in the 40s, uh, high 40s, mid 40s. Um, at first, I didn't believe that. I felt great. Um, and so uh, 40s is not something you want to mess around with. You need to be concerned and make sure that you're not uh, getting ready to pass out or something. So 
again, I felt great. I knew that I, um, I knew that my body was accommodating and learning and hardening to lower glucose levels. That's happened before as I watched my continuous glucose monitor. Um, so the next thing I did was I, um, I checked my blood glucose with a finger stick. And sure enough, it was in the mid-40s. So I went down. I had what, what I usually have in the mornings. It's a uh, bulletproof coffee. Some people had not heard about that. I'm still spiking because I had a great dinner. Janice and I went out, and uh, I'll tell you about that in a minute. Let me finish the, what happened this morning. So I realized that I had taken um, metformin the night before. Did it totally by mistake. Should not take metformin while you're fasting, especially day six of a fast. Um, and I've screwed up before. I'm sure I'll screw up again. Again, I felt, I felt great. Had the, the um, bulletproof coffee. So it did have some calories in it. It, had, uh, it has a half teaspoon of coconut oil, half teaspoon of, uh, of uh, ghee in it. And um, some of that almost orange looking ghee that may, may have significant K2 in it, made from grass fed calves or uh, cattle. Sat down for about an hour or so waiting for the event and then um, felt fine. My blood sugars were back up in the 60s and my blood sugars are in the 60s a lot these days. So um, then it came on up. Um, never really got much above 60 during the uh, day. Um, maybe 60s and 70s, you see, right? That's about between 60 and 80 right there. And that's where it stayed until I started refeeding. And uh, again, I had a little bit of a spike tonight. I celebrated and we don't like using the word cheated. We like using the word vacation. I took a car vacation, had some, uh, actually even had some, um, had a steak, uh, an eight ounce steak, a, uh, a glass of dry white wine and, um, here was the bad part. I had some potatoes. And so I came home, uh, the spike started up and I uh, went, went for a walk. Because it was potatoes and not that uh, soup, uh, you're not able to see that very well. Because it was potatoes and not that soup, I may need to go for another walk. It looks like it's starting to go back up a little bit. But again, 125, 130 are not big issues. Um, just to share with you uh, what happened over the, the week during those two days of uh, water fasting. And let me clarify before I go on. Significant uh, clarification. These were technically not water fasting days. These were what's called a fat fast. Why? Because, I because there are calories and fat in that bulletproof coffee that I just described to you. And I had that both days. So um, as you see, these blood sugars, uh, this was on Sunday, I believe. Um, oh, heck. Sunday, staying way below. The, the bottom of that green space, gosh, I don't know why we're getting so much reflection tonight. There you go. Maybe you can see it better that way. I'm just getting a lot of reflection tonight. I'm not sure why it's coming through. Here we go. That's a little better. That green space there is um, 
the bottom of it is 80. So uh, here's the, uh, Saturday was also remained uh, low. Here's the two spikes that I tended to get each day with the um, fasting mimicking diet soup. It was like every day. And those spikes actually are far bigger than I get, except when I go on a carb vacation. Again, just over and over. On, uh, I think it was, it was day two or day three, I had a spike up to almost 200 on mushroom soup. So again, significant, uh, significant learning experience here. That's a typical day for me when I'm feeding, not on a fasting diet and not, um, not eating carbs. And again, most of, my, most of my days are like that. As you see in this time period between midnight and four in the morning, I tend to go down in the, that, that bottom to actually just below 50. So during that time period, my blood sugar is hitting uh, the 50s and slightly below quite a bit of time. So that's probably why hit below 50 again. And that's right at 6 p.m. and at 3 p.m., uh, uh, excuse me, 6, 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. went below 50 there as well. So that's probably why I felt fine, even though I had a sugar in the 40s. Now, um, while I was in the midst of that hype, um, that asymptomatic hypoglycemic episode, uh, my, my CGM ran out and I didn't have a new one. CGM means continuous uh, glucose monitoring. A lot of people are getting a lot of information about that and again, seeing how useful that is to me in terms of managing my blood glucose. Again, why do I manage my blood glucose that way? Because elevated blood glucose and elevated insulin are the most common reasons for plaque, developing plaque which is the most comp, which is the most the which is the problem the underlying mechanism behind having heart attacks strokes um, and all the other things that you know the number one killer the number one disabler and a whole bunch of other stuff um, like blindness and uh, dementia and a few other things so it turns out that there are 80 million Americans minimum that have insulin resistance like I do in other words they don't digest carbs very well and uh, that increases dramatically as you age beyond 60. Um, the 80 million is a number from the CDC, and I think that's low. Um, the other number that they say is that 72 million of those folks do not know. They have no clue that this process is going on in them. And they're burning their arteries, just like that analogy of frogs uh, getting uh, slowly boiled in water. And uh, we think that we can't prevent heart attack and stroke. Not true. So anyhow, <clears throat> I, my, my, uh, my CGM monitor, continuous glucose monitor, blew out right when I was um, uh, getting beyond. I, my blood sugar had gotten back up to the 60s, but I still obviously wanted to watch it the rest of the day. Uh, I did get a new one, and that's what I, where you were seeing now. Uh, that's why you saw that gap between this morning and this afternoon. One final item before I uh, get to comments. I say we've got a lot of a lot of folks on and a lot of comments. Uh, I'd like to deal with some of those. Um, we're going to have an event in Louisville um, on November eighth and 9th. It's going to be at the University of Louisville uh, Speaking Center. Uh, it'll be two days. 
We're doing it based on the uh, great feedback we got from the Healthy Life Summit in Orlando. Um, it'll be, I think, a little bit less than 1,500, basically, to come to those, those two days, get a CIMT, and learn a lot about what we do. Um, and a little bit less than 3,000 to, if you decide, you know what, I'd like to come, get all my labs done beforehand, and actually spend two days learning about my labs, my CIMT, and, and my condition, and uh, actually uh, get a, an evaluation as part of it. Um, it'll be again different from the uh, Healthy Life Summit in Orlando. There were several other speakers there. Um, there were a couple of financial guys. There was a, a great dentist, Doug uh, Doug Thompson, who formed the Wellness Dentistry Network. Uh, he's been on several of my videos. Um, and uh, David uh, David Mainz, a nutritionist. Now, <clears throat> this is just going to be us. It's going to be for the two days, about 80 percent, uh, well, maybe 70 percent me, um, and the rest of it's going to be Janice and uh, a, a lot uh, of um, audience participation kind of things with a couple of formalized uh, patient panel type things. So patients, again, we'll be talking about the stuff that I do, the stuff that I talk about on the videos, cardiovascular inflammation, insulin resistance, LP little a strokes, uh, atrial fib, and how to prevent those things. And folks that have had all of those things and are working on it will uh, also be there sharing. I've got a couple of people already that have uh, signed up. So be aware, we're going to start getting uh, some more information out. All we have is just to save the date right now. So um, with, it, with uh, that's it for uh, prepped stuff. Let me go back and respond to some comments. Joey Boombox, hello. Hello to you. And to you as well, Steve uh, Steve Sapel. Richard Lund, um, 6 p.m. works here in LA. Good. Great. Glad to hear it. I'm going to test my webcam setup to see if I can stabilize the color. That would be helpful. Um, again, you know what I need? I, I um, Maybe I, I don't think I mentioned a minute ago. I keep meaning to get a real camera. I don't have one of those. Uh, I do think that a real camera gets rid of that color change, but that's just yet another major hassle. And as you guys can tell, I demonstrate it just about every day. I am not a videographer. Uh, like the live broadcasts, uh, thanks. I do too. It's great to be able to interact. Uh, your excellent knowledge is what we are seeking. Uh, thanks for sharing. Thank you for your interest uh, and the, the comment. I appreciate it. Bart Robinson, how are you doing tonight? Terry Wyatt. I agree, Terry. Very formative, very informative uh, man, and I'm learning a lot. Thanks again. I'm, I appreciate the interest. Michelle Curley, good to see you looking revived and renewed. And you seem to be clearing your throat a little, if at all. Have you noticed? Yeah, one thing I have noticed is, is I get tired. There, there are two things that really tend to get me started on clearing my throat. One is as I get tired, and I don't know what that is. The other is during allergy seasons. I've got significant allergies. Uh, I got those from my mom, just like I got atrial fib gene from my mom. Uh, ha, I have no problems fasting anymore. After the first few times, it gets easier. Absolutely no question. Um, for people that fast, that's really good. 
for people that are on insulin, it's a little bit scary. You know, you hear a lot of things about, and it's dangerous. You know, you hear a lot of things about the dangers of hypoglycemic episodes. Here's where the problem comes in. It's usually not that big of a deal for people that are not on um, medications that lower your blood sugar. But if you're on insulin and you get hypoglycemic and you don't notice it, even though you're down in the 40s, I mean, you can drop a little bit lower, which is very significant and have a problem. What's even a bigger issue is um, the, the big challenges, the big danger with hypoglycemic episodes is operating machinery, falling downstairs, um, interacting with your world in an impaired fashion. Just like alcohol, driving with alcohol. Alcohol, by the way, is a double whammy. Not only does alcohol impair the brain from the alcohol itself, it also can lower your blood sugar. So uh, being the main cook and bottle washer at my house, I love fasting days. <laughs> oh, if you've got everybody else fasting, that sounds like a good deal. Can you describe the soups, especially the minestrone? Does it have pasta? I don't think the minestrone had pasta. And, oh gosh, that box is, uh, it's not where I can go get it. The soups were minestrones, tomato soup, and that mushroom soup. I think maybe fortunately for me that um, mushroom soup was, uh, there was only one of those. There was two of, the, of each of the others, maybe three. The minestrones had, minestrone had some peas in it as well. They're powdered soup for the most part. Um, the mushroom soup had some little bitty particles of mushroom, and the minestrone had some um, whole peas in it. But the rest of it's just a powder. You pour it into hot water. Powdered soups don't sound good, but they really did taste good. And you know what they say, hunger is the best uh, sauce. I don't think it's just hunger. These, these foods taste good. There have been... Um, other competitors, uh, proprietary competitor products for fasting mimicking diet, like Lifebox, which I tried, and it, it was a lot less expensive, but the food wasn't as good. Um, it, Lifebox, is, I don't, I've tried looking it up recently. I can't, I think it's defunct. Um, the, uh, the soups each had about, I think, 22, 23 grams of carbohydrates in them only one or two grams of sugar. Um, so again, it was mostly um, complex uh, um, carbs. Now, <clears throat> and as you can see, uh, that's, I've got significant insulin resistance. My body's not gonna handle even a soup with 23 carbs in it, complex carbs, not glycemic carbs. Okay, David Jones, you need to read some newer studies. Brand new beta cells being generated as a, rush, uh, uh, as a result of fasting T cells. I will attach the link later. I attached the site a while back, newest papers. Very interesting, David, and I'm glad you brought that up. And you're probably right. Um, I still, however, do not think that even a dozen episodes of fasting mimicking diet is going to regrow your um, regrow all your beta cells or, or change the underlying or it'll I'm sure it'll improve it. There's no question about that. The research has shown it. Uh, is it going to cure it? 
I don't think so. Um, but uh, again, I uh, I do look forward to seeing your uh, your links on that. By the way, uh, it uh, let me clarify: I am not being um, critical of the fasting mimicking diet or fasting at all in terms of insulin resistance. That's the major reason that I'm doing it. It does stimulate stem cell activity when you start refeeding. So now that I started refeeding tonight, I'm over the next day or two I'm, or more, I'm going to start getting a lot more stem cells coming in and uh, replacing beat up body parts. Lucian P, Dr. Brewer, uh, good to see you, Lucian. Um, Dr. Brewer, how does Chana Dal influence your blood sugar? I read it's the single best food for prediabetes in GI. I don't know what Chana Dal is. Uh, send me some stuff on it. I'd really appreciate it. Um, Michelle Curley being for, uh, forewarned of low blood sugar. Oh, gosh, something just happened, and I'm sorry. Oh, being forewarned of blood sugar, low blood sugar symptoms is essential. I hit 53 one morning. It spiraled into a panic attack and a trip to the ER. Ended up rather embarrassed. Live and learn. Well, interesting point, Michelle. I've got a couple of old videos from two years ago. Obviously, with my insulin resistance, I was uh, cranking along at much higher blood sugar levels, and my body was not used to these lower levels. Um, the first uh, glycemic episode, hypoglycemic episode I had was in the 60s. Uh, but I felt all, all the symptoms, panicky, um, you know, a lot of adrenaline going off, not, think, uh, not being able to move very well or think very well. I was in a dangerous situation there in terms of, oh, one time that happened after I'd been bike riding so, and I needed to drive home. So uh, we got some carbs and, and uh, got me rolling again. One thing I want to say while I'm thinking about that is um, one of the next most common mistakes after you get into a, a symptomatic hypoglycemia and you need to treat it is overreacting to it. Uh, as you saw this morning, all I did was add a, a little bit of uh, that Bulletproof coffee. Um, again, only the half teaspoon of, of uh, coconut oil, the half teaspoon of, uh, of ghee. Didn't load up on the carbs. Quite often, people will notice they have uh, hypoglycemia. The, the epinephrine will start going. They'll panic, and they'll just load up on glycemic carbs. Now, if you're in a significant dangerous area with, uh, and you're taking insulin, maybe that's not that bad, but somebody like me, type, uh, type two or insulin resistant, it just, um, usually not necessary. And it wasn't necessary. Elaine Louise, I come in peace. I'm glad to hear that. I do too. Mr. Garber, uh, ho. Buster C. Hello, doc from Atlanta. Uh, good to good to see see you, Garber. How soon can the can we the commoners buy these? Um, I'm not sure what you're talking about, Mister Garber. Um, if you're if you're talking about the um, Freestyle Libre, you can get those. Uh, you need a prescription, and <clears throat> Michelle and I are developing a service. There are a couple of people that have said, you know, I'd like to take um, uh, metformin, but my doc doesn't want to do it. Uh, do you do it? I have a, I've re, uh, reopened my practice and ha 
in my retirement. And uh, I have uh, licenses in about 40 states. So um, we're, we've developed a service where we'll, uh, we'll provide metformin uh, scripts. And uh, we also will we'll we'll develop a service where we provide uh, the, uh, the CGM, uh, continuous glucose monitoring. Now, uh, your insurance is probably not going to pay for it if, you're look, if you've got the low levels of insulin resistance. They're only going to pay for it if you've got documented type 2 diabetes. But like I said, in many ways, that's too late. You need to be dealing with this when you first discover it, and you need to be looking for it. Unfortunately, long, be- long before most doctors do. Jim Maley, how about a video on the prostate? Um, I've sort of touched on the prostate a couple of times. I touched, for example, on a video regarding uh, prostatic hypertrophy and metformin. Metformin actually decreases uh, pro- prostatic hypertrophy. And it appears that it has to do with insulin growth, fact- uh, growth ins- IGF, ins- uh, insulin-like growth factor. Um, that's one of the things that both metformin and, uh, fasting do. They decrease insulin-like growth factor and several other things. They uh, improve autophagy and, um, some of that, but I'm not a, I'm not a prostate guy. Um, don't have a lot of background or expertise in the area. So that's probably about as deep as I'm going to get into prostates. Will my insurance pay for this? Pay for what? Your insurance, we don't take insurance. Um, insurance companies are very good at bringing you back to the standards of medicine. And if you want the standards of medicine, you stay, you know, you can you see a doc that practices the standards of medicine and um, the standards really aren't good enough right now for detecting early insulin resistance. <clears throat> Uh, sometimes they'll pay for some of the labs, but that becomes a problem as well. Here's why. Labs realize if um, if the insurance company pays you, uh, or pays for half of the labs, but doesn't pay for the rest, now there's nobody standing between the lab and you. They charge you two, three, four, and five times what they would the insurance company, or even uh, me like the doc, for the remainder of those labs. So you end up worse off trying to get half your labs paid for by insurance. Um, in some, we, we used to do what we call cash pay, where we would negotiate the lab prices for everybody. Now the labs have actually become far more reasonable. Um, and we don't do that so much. We do do that in special cases. Um, we've got a couple of cases going on right now where we're doing cash labs. Mike Smallridge. Uh, no, that was Mike Smallridge. Thank you, Mike. Richard Lund again. Uh, let me work on the camera issue. Thanks. Uh, I think Richard, you were the guy that noticed it uh, originally. Again, please at least confirm that if I get a real camera that maybe it'll, uh, fix that problem. CC, can a person have early insulin resistance? without pancreas or beta cell damage. Actually, that's exactly what happens. It's not usually originally a pancreas or beta cell problem. It's usually a problem, well, we don't completely understand it, but it usually, it it appears to start off as a problem with the insulin receptors in the cell wall of the muscle and liver. 
Could insulin resistant people get trim and healthy to the point where their sugar doesn't spike? Well, here's the thing. Um, fat mass uh, impacts your hormones to a large extent. And having a high basal insulin impacts this process as well because it, um, of several different things, it, it, there are things called adipokines and uh, some other technical words. Basically what they do is they slow fat burning um, they tend actually, if you read, uh, there's a bunch of books out there about it. Many of them have been, been written by, uh, uh, Gary Taubes. Uh, one of them is why we get fat and what to do about it. And the point behind most of those is the hormonal theory of getting, uh, of weight gain. And then that theory is that, um, it's not that you're getting fat because you're eating more. It's you're eating more because you're getting fat. And you're getting fat because you're getting insulin resistant. As you know, you get that middle age spread, you also get insulin resistance during your middle ages. James Uber, hi. Hello, how are you, James? Uh, Bill Cockrell, is keto safe for those with no gallbladder and high cholesterol? Well, <clears throat> um, I, I haven't seen any reasons why it's not. Um, you get into a lot of definitions of keto and carnivore and all that. And um, I still, for a large part, tend to, I'm not totally plant-based keto anymore. I used to be. Um, I'm getting much more animal products. And it's after I did some of the more recent videos on uh, TMAO, that's one of the final remaining, remaining um, planks in the uh, vegans. Um, uh, platform other than ethics and you know eth uh, animal ethics, and I don't get into that piece. Um, TMAO does appear to be a significant uh, heart attack risk factor, but as you get deeper into the uh, the research right now, it appears that uh, TMAO uh, seems to be much more of a risk for people that already have some kidney failure than people that do not. Um, the research is not entirely uh, open on that yet. Uh, soups and salt thoughts. Not sure what that means, Gerard Cook, but thanks. I mean, maybe if you can clarify it. 147 degrees west. Thank you, Doc. That may be the my friend in Alaska. If so, thank you. Um, okay, uh, Mendoza mentions China Doll on her website. Mendoza.com. Okay, we'll, we'll have to take a look. Thank you. Uh, Steve Sapel, Doc, do you think that the preservatives in food that we are all exposed to affect IR and burn our arterial walls? Stephen, I don't know. It may have been you that mentioned uh, chlorine as well today. I don't know. Um, I haven't seen the information, the research on that. But as you or somebody else mentioned in the, in the chlorine post, I'm a good example. There's, and I'm not the only one. I have plenty of metabolic doppelgangers out there who have remained thin. My BMI's what? I'm 5'10", uh, 150 now. Uh, clearly low 20s. It's always been in the low 20s. And yet I got significant in, uh, insulin resistance. And we're not talking about low 20s like 24 or 23. It's uh, probably 21. I doubt it's 22 anymore. 
But that's usually my range. And even though I stay that way and I have done a ton of um, very, I'm not a world-class athlete. I'm not that competitive at all, but I try a lot and I have fun doing it. Um, do a lot of athletics, have done half a dozen marathons, an ultra marathon. I haven't, I've done mostly long, slow distance though. And that is not as good for this process, this issue as high intensity interval training and uh, resistance training, which I didn't do. I did intervals, obviously playing full court basketball for hours, but I didn't do a lot of uh, resistance training until the past few years. Okay, so Richard Lund says, let's hold on camera purchase until we can see the whole process. Thank you very much. I would, uh, I, the other reason I'm holding, I'm still holding on it because I just got so much stuff. I've got uh, one of the busiest retirements I've seen, but it, I'm also having a blast. Um, this is a legacy thing for me. I enjoy helping people um, get healthy. David Jones. Uh, the brain being a big consumer of glucose is really scary looking at a uh, patient scan of diabetic brain glucose uptake. Uh, not exactly sure what you're talking about, but yeah. Um, you know, they call they have type 1 diabetes where that one does appear to be a primary uh, injury to the pancreas and beta cells. Then you've got type 2, which you see more in people that are older, and it's an uh, increase in people that have obesity, have a lot of fat mass. Um, but have you heard of type three? Type three is, uh, dementia is now being called, Alzheimer's dementia is now being called, being called type three. Insulin is actually, uh, a, an integral part to making memory by Bio, the biochemistry of making memory in your, uh, brain cells. So, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. And yes, it's very scary. When I did the, um, the Alzheimer's uh, training with um, Bredesen, uh, Dale Bredesen, he came up and asked me what I thought about the training afterwards. And I said, well, I was surprised that you didn't, you didn't spend that much time on um, insulin resistance. He said, why? And I said, well, I thought at a bare minimum, at least 50% of uh, dementia is associated with insulin resistance. He said, he looked at me kind of funny and he said, um, I think maybe 100% of it is due to insulin resistance. Even if you can't detect it in your body, uh, there appears to be a phenomenon called insulin resistance of the, of the central nervous system or brain, uh, which is very much related to this. So Gerard Cook, is salt an issue? Is uh, salt an issue or a problem? As you, I mean, you're probably asking about it because you've seen it a lot. There's a lot of debate out there. People that are on low-carb diets, uh, fasting diets, um, tend to focus on uh, salt not being a problem. I don't really any, even encourage it. I don't know, I, I don't know that I, I don't encourage it, uh, but I don't focus on salt a lot. If you look on a population basis and there's tons of salt in a population's diet, their blood pressure will be uh, significantly higher. Does that mean if you're doing fasting and low carbs and, and some of those things that you should really focus on your salt? I, I doubt it. Uh, 
147 degrees west, I lost 97 pounds on keto. And that, congratulations, that's impressive. And that was after I had my gallbladder out. After my gallbladder surgery, they put me in this low fat, high fruit, bread, heavy diet. I gained a huge amount of weight, lost again on keto. Well, I'm glad you lost it again. I think that's what you're saying. And sorry about the weight gain. Yes, I am Alaskan along with the TAPS. I'm not sure what the TAPS means, but uh, we actually traveled to Alaska once. Uh, I talked to a, a friend and patient today who has not been. I told him to add it to his bucket list. Alaska is another world. It is incredible. Uh, Babak Ganjavian, hi doc, can you talk a little about APOE and Alzheimer's risk? Do we just order APOE profile for risk factors? Is APOE4 higher risk? Yes, APOE4 is, is, has clearly been related with a higher risk for uh, uh, dementia. Um, should you order one? I mean, that's, that's your decision. A, a lot of patients that I have don't want to know that. Um, here's part of the problem with APOE4. Uh, up until a few years ago, uh, the the common knowledge was that you don't really add, uh, you really watch your fats on APOE4. Um, Bredesen and a lot of others are leaning and focusing on getting more uh, mildly ketotic on an ongoing basis. And that's what I do with uh, my Bred our Bredesen dementia patients, try to get them mildly ketotic. And that's where I try to stay as well. Um, here's the thing. Um, how are you going to get mildly ketotic if you're uh, consistently low fat? So when you start weighing the two, the question is, um, which is more has more risk, eating the fat if you've got APOE4 or um, not being uh, ketotic? And again, I think that's the uh, that's the big question. A lot of us are leaning more towards saying, "Look, the eating eating the fats very well may be less risk than uh, uh, than um, trying to maybe I, eating the eating uh, not being ketotic is uh, more risk than the fat." Have a few others. Um, do you think anything can be done to delay the onset? Um, I'm not quite so worried about delaying the onset. I would, I would love to do that uh, in a, an otherwise already healthy person. But let me tell you again, if you've got 30 pounds too much fat, body fat, that's clearly making you get insulin resistant 5, 10, 15, 20 years too early. So yes, if you're not at uh, peak body composition, peak lifestyle, you are getting it early if, whenever you got it. So yes, the vast majority of people can clearly move, delay the onset of that insulin resistance. And when they get it, the majority of people can manage it mostly with lifestyle. There's been research looking at things like metformin. Um, even mild management of your lifestyle was three times more effective than drugs, metformin. And let me tell you, those of you who think you're gonna supplement your way out of 
uh, bad health, again, uh, you can't supplement or medicate your way out of, uh, out of an unhealthy lifestyle. Oh, TAP is Trans-Alaska Pipeline. Thanks. I would never have gotten that. Uh, David Jones, sorry I'm, I meant PET scan of glucose uptake in the brain. Diabetics look like TBI victims. Yeah, they, yeah, they do. That's a problem. And those folks uh, often, again, go on to start developing cognition problems. Hi, Doc. Thanks to you, I got tested. 118 coronary score. Uh, depends on how old you are. Uh, that's not too bad. Now on low-dose Crestor. Good. Good choice. Diabetes in my family, so making changes. Good. I'm not overweight, but do need to get more exercise. Cardio or weights? I've got a video on HIIT, um, and they, it, it's pretty definitive. It was done at Mayo, I think Mayo Rochester, um, and they even did muscle biopsies on this one. So they had, it was like 20 and 30-year-olds, 50 and 60-year-olds, and like 80-year-olds, and uh, they had them they had enough to bunch them into three different groups. One group did long, slow distance. Another group did high intensity intervals. And a, the third group did um, uh, resistance training. By far, the best improvement in mitochondria was um, HIT, high intensity interval training. And some of these people, again, were 80 years old. And they had the best improvement. Some of the 80-year-olds doubled their mitochondria. Now, does that mean that that's like an automatic cure for insulin resistance? No. I mean, there's some some hoops you got to jump through there. But um, weight training is good, uh, but clearly HIAT was the best weight training and then the long, slow distance. And that's part of the reason, I think, why you see these long-distance runners like me um, go on to develop uh, insulin resistance, even though they may be thin as a rail. Thamori 54. I have no idea what 54 means. Uh, again, um, gotten some great interest, some uh, great reception. I really appreciate uh, uh, the interest that you guys have shown tonight. Um, we've, we're done with the questions and comments, so uh, I'm going to wrap up. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website at prevmedhealth.com. To learn more, watch our videos on YouTube at Ford Brewer MD MPH. Thank you very much for your interest.